0: Blog Talk Radio mm-hmm. today good love is your relationship everything you want it to be are you living a fulfilled passionate life empowered with choices that ignite you to the next level good love makes your whole life better so join America's good love doctor Dr. Brenda Wade on a journey to your healthiest life yet a regular on Dr. Oz and Dr. Drew, she's appeared on Oprah, Good Morning America, and is featured in countless publications from USA Today to Essence Magazine. The creator of life-changing Get Unstuck Now, Love, Money, and save seminars she's counseled millions, but today, she's here just for you, with the hottest topics, guests, and trends. This is Good Love with Dr. Brenda Wade. Oh, good evening, everyone, and welcome, welcome to this edition of Good Love. I'm your love doctor, Dr. Brenda, and I'm so thrilled to be with you, whether you're listening live or via recording, you know, we love that convenience of modern technology, listen when and where you want, the important thing is you're with us, and tonight's show is about financial freedom and what it really means to be financially free. Our guest tonight is the trifecta of the three things that I believe bring us deep satisfaction in life. And yes, that's love, money, and seva. And for those who don't know, seva is the Sanskrit word for selfless service. Our guest is Margie Balzac, who is the best-selling author of the book, The Mother Load. Manifesto. Now her book is revolutionary because it's a call to action for women to create personal financial independence. And you may be thinking, now what does that have to do with relationships? So think about it. If you feel burdened or you're in a relationship with someone who feels burdened financially or feels they're barely making it or they're living paycheck to paycheck or they've got debts, That impacts love, and you all know that the leading cause of fights that create divorce are about money, because we get money very confused with love. So Margie is going to help us straighten that out in just a moment, and she says she wants to create what she calls an idea virus among women so that women get the idea and it spreads about financial freedom. So today, as always, we're going to focus on Good Love Radio on why good love is essential to your greatness. We're going to identify the negative love and tonight money patterns that are blocking you from true intimacy and how you can break the chains of what happened back then so you're free both to experience and to your now. So let me tell you more about Margie's guest in a moment. Excuse me, Margie, our guest in just a moment. But first, we're going to do our mantra that we do on every Good Love program. And I hope that you have taken this to heart and you're repeating it over and over and over every day. It goes like this. I am worthy. Say it with me. I am worthy. Like you mean it. I am worthy. And... I am deserving. Here we go. I am deserving. And I love me. I love me unconditionally. And I'm going to add one thing to that. I love and accept me unconditionally. I am worthy. I am deserving and I love and accept me unconditionally. Write it down, put it in your smartphone, put it on your computer. But repeat that over and over and over. It's one of the cornerstones of building the consciousness of good love so that as you interact with those around you, you're coming from this idea of abundant love already being there inside you. And as Margie is going to tell you, it has a lot to do with how you handle money. So I'm going to tell you about Margie. She says that far from losing love and alienating men, which is a big fear for a lot of women, there's research that reports that 40%, excuse me, research reports that 40% of women have that fear. But the truth is women enjoy more love in their lives when they are financially capable, financially free. It makes sense, doesn't it? Make that link I mentioned earlier with anxiety. Now Margie's first memory, and she'll tell us about this in a minute, is her mother struggling to raise two little girls on her own after a painful divorce. And her mother wasn't alone. Half of all American families, you all know this, are living paycheck to paycheck. And a recent Gallup poll found that money and low wages are the number one family concerns. In Margie's book, The Mother Lode Manifesto, How to Conceive a Fortune and Give Birth to Your Wildest Dreams, Margie takes on how women can create financial independence, how we can make our relationships better. So welcome Margie Baldock, everybody. Hey, Margie. Hey, Dr.
1: Brenda. Thank you for having me. I'm so grateful to be with you today.
0: Oh, I'm really thrilled to have you. This is an important topic because there are three things in life we absolutely have to interact with and deal with all the time relationships, of course, food, and money. Can't live without them. So you're down on the Gold Coast in Australia, down under. I understand it's very beautiful there.
1: Yes, I am, and it's a gorgeous a uh, sunny winter's day today.
0: A sunny winter's day. Now winter in Australia is exactly what temp? What
1: temperature do uh, Today it would be where I live because I'm in a subtropical part of Australia, the holiday zone for Australia. It's about 23 degrees in my terms, which I'm not sure how that translates into Fahrenheit, but basically gorgeous. Just think oh gorgeous my God. And you've got it right. Well, yeah. gorgeous not is hot, good, not cold. The-
0: the temperature is gorgeous. We will take it. And that's winter. You know, I heard a guy once say he was a Brit. He said, so let me understand this. We Brits sent the prisoners to Australia? Do you know what it's like in Australia? He said, they have sunshine. We've got nothing but cold and wet here in England. So uh-huh. moving on. Yeah. Margie, tell us about you and how you came to write the Motherload Manifesto. I mentioned a little bit about growing up with a mom who is struggling tell us more about that
1: Yeah well in, in as an adult I look back on my life and realized my first memory was age 4 and it was seeing my mom devastated really really upset and I you know subsequently found out it was because she had become divorced and she had two little girls to look after and had to go back into the workforce to, to pay the bills, to put food on the table. So she'd lost her relationship, she'd lost her source of income, being her the male who was supposed to do his part of the job, and she had to put food on the table. So the three things that you say are crucial, we kind of were, at, were without, kind of all three of them. So it was a true crisis. And as a little girl, I remember thinking, that it was cruel, that what she was going through was really cruel on her, and it was scary for me. So I think I made a decision at that time that I would never rely on someone else for my financial freedom. And Ooh. so in that moment, I made a pretty profound decision that has shaped my entire life, and I'm eternally grateful for that.
0: That is interesting. So we'll come back to the decision, but as you were growing up, what were some of the things that you notice were happening with your mom and how did it impact you when you were little?
1: Well, seeing her having to go back to the workforce without the university qualification that the males in her family received because she was female, so it was considered that her job was to stay home and look after children when that paradigm didn't work. She was at a disadvantage. Plus, I saw in the workforce she was treated unfairly by that I mean because she had the baggage of two kids at home she had to put in extra hours work twice as hard to be undervalued and I remember just thinking this stuff just a really rubbish deal for anybody but when it's someone you love like your mum, who's an awesome person to see them suffering like that and suffering so that they can raise you it was quite painful you know I really hated seeing her give up herself for me and for my sister and frankly she worked, 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 worked all day and then she'd come home and do domestic work all night and she had no life at all of her own. Her dreams were absolutely irrelevant. It was total survival mode and this is a, a beautiful, gorgeous human being who deserved more. So. I see this happening too much amongst women, 70% of women will live in poverty at some time and I concluded through my journey that it's just the cultural paradigm that we teach young girls, that we teach women about the role we have to play in society that unfortunately results in this terrible outcome. If it had a great outcome then that's fine but it just doesn't. Women have been taught not to be responsible for themselves financially and unfortunately women and their children pay the price for that programming.
0: Wow, so you and your sister paid that price and your mom paid that
1: price as you were growing up. Well, I think that's true and I I see it so often. So many people with uh, single mum families these days or single dad families. But just simply even in two-parent families, we're seeing in America, I think 20% of of families right now have nobody with a job. I mean, so the suffering that families go through because of money is absolutely profound or rather the lack of money. And the, the thing is for me, it's a bit like... Uh, literacy. Once upon a time, no one could read books except the the very elite of society. Now we consider that inhumane, and we teach everybody to read books because we know it opens so many doors. I see financial literacy as the same thing. If you don't know how money works, if you don't understand money, if you can't make it and use it to create uh, a base for you and your family, then there's a lot of suffering that is just accepted as okay. For me, it is not okay. And I don't think that we should consider financial illiteracy okay. And yet that is the standard of um, financial awareness in our society presently. I
0: couldn't agree with you more. I think that there are some really basic things that don't get taught in school, and I know firsthand what it's like to be that divorced mom with two little girls to support because I've been on that journey myself, and it really was quite a challenge. I have to say tonight's topic is close to my heart, and one of the issues for me was that I definitely had no training financial literacy. I had a great education, but my education didn't include financial literacy. And I remember a young professor coming to our university and saying, I'm getting a doctorate in psychology, right? And he said to the head of our department, you know, you really should have all of your students taking business classes because when they go out into the world, no matter what they do, As a psychologist or a therapist, whether it's research or writing or seeing patients, whatever they do, it's a business. you know what the head of the department said to him? Ridiculous. (laughs) He said, that's ridiculous. They won't have to worry about things like that. They're getting a fine education here. Oh, my God. When I got divorced and it was a financial disaster, let me assure you it was a disaster, For me and for my children, I thought back on that guy and I thought if only, if only the head of our department had listened, I would know more about how to manage this situation because I want to say poverty is not the only issue. Sometimes very well-educated people don't know how to manage money either because I didn't back at that time and it was really hard for me and for my daughters. (laughs)
1: And and Dr. Brenda, you're not alone. Our whole culture has a view that money is a taboo topic. It's like sex. We just don't talk about it. We're, We're ashamed of it. Yet, ironically, we also secretly covet it. So our pop culture throws it in our face. So if you, if you don't you're have money, you'll get
0: your money now, dear.
1: Uh, both, actually,
0: both, and <laughs> I they're kind of interweaved totally, as you know. I know. Right. I mean,
1: prostitution is the oldest uh, profession, and we well, I say it's culturally... the oldest oppression because I don't. Oh, wish... It is the oldest oppression, but we're living under it today. So many people do work they don't love for money. So that whole idea that you can sell yourself for money just pervades our culture, and it's tragic. And I think our kids grow up watching young women twerk. Thinking that that's um, the way the world is. Yet we don't talk about what's healthy in terms of sexuality, and it's the same with money. We don't talk about it. We act dysfunctionally, and we somehow think our kids are just going to muddle through and work out financial literacy on their own, and they're just not. It's exactly. up to us as parents. We have to teach them about money beliefs, values, and habits. And you can't teach what you don't know yourself.
0: Right. Exactly. So whether you're a parent or whether you're a An adult, whether you're a young single person or married, get out your note-taking device, whether it's old school, pen and paper, or your little smartphone, or your computer, and write down some of these really valuable, and literally valuable, tools and tips that Margie is going to be sharing with us. And if you want to join the conversation live, you can call us at 347 9890776. Nine eight nine zero seven seven six. That's three four seven nine eight nine zero seven seventy six. Or you can Facebook us at Dr. Brenda Wade, tweet us Dr. Brenda Wade. Cliff Dunning, who is our associate producer, is standing by to take your questions or comments, and we'd love to have your questions or comments. So go right ahead. And as my grandmother used to say. Don't be shy. This is a big topic. And, you know, it's interesting that you link money and sex because there is this kind of mythology, and it's in a lot of our advertising, that if you're a woman, you should go after the guy with the most toys and the most money and that the guy with the most toys and the most money will get the woman and ergo get the sex But what really happens, now I have to insert this as the love doctor, it's just like we don't learn about money. We don't learn about relationships. We certainly don't learn about what a healthy sexual relationship is. And it's crazy. It's crazy because with any luck at all, we're all going to get to be in relationships and have sex and have money. And we don't know anything about it. It's like driving a car without having a license.
1: Oh, I love that you say that, Dr. Brenda, because I, I say money's just a tool and we teach our kids to drive a car, we teach them how to operate a computer, but we teach them nothing about money. We don't teach them what a budget is, what a tax form looks like, we don't teach them the difference between running a business or having a job. We teach them nothing and yet we expect them to land on their feet and that's actually cruel to our children and it's insane, it's silly.
0: It is, and it sets people up for failure. You know, I taught a workshop this past Saturday on love, and the youngest person in the workshop was 20 years old, and she said, I'm here because I don't want to make a lot of mistakes. So she decided at age 20 to take a class on love and educate herself. So I am thrilled, and everybody, no matter where you are in life, you can get started right now. Now, Margie, we know that all of these tools will work for men or women, but because of your mom's situation, because of what you went through, I've been through, and I certainly know a lot of women who went through the similar situation that is very, very, very challenging. What do you believe makes, you think women resist the idea of financial literacy? What do you think makes them resist it?
1: Well, it, you know, it's so funny for me because I've only discovered that women resist it. I knew culturally we've been taught we shouldn't take care of ourselves financially and that it literally has been two and a half thousand years of programming saying if you do take care of yourself financially, you'll, you know, you'll be burnt at the stake, you'll be ostracized, you will suffer. And, and that is why for, you know, up until the last hundred years, prostitution was what women had to resort to who had to fend for themselves, it was horrific, absolutely horrific. So our subconscious programming as a gender is so deeply ingrained to turn away from this stuff, to hand it to the male in our family, that you can hardly blame us now for feeling it's unsafe to get involved. And that's why the research says 40% of women are just scared that if they become financially capable, they will lose love. That is tragic to me because the truth is quite the opposite. They will gain love because they can be loved for who they are and without all the baggage that comes with money and all that nasty stuff of trading sex for money. Because women aren't sex objects any more than men are success objects. We're all human beings We're all worthy of being loved and we shouldn't have to be um, a certain level of sexualness or sexiness or a certain level of wealth to be loved and to be lovable. We should be allowed to be the best we can be without that baggage. So my, my virus, idea virus that I wish for my sisters on planet Earth today is not just the idea that they can be financially free, but it's that they ought to want to be financially free and because it will make their lives so much better, and because they ought to want to be leaders on a planetary level and contribute to solving humanity's most pressing problems. We can't afford women to be passengers any longer. History has tried to make us passengers by writing us out of the narrative. Women have contributed so much throughout history, yet so few people know that women wrote the first computer program, women wrote uh, the, the first Software created the basis for Wi-Fi, discovered DNA, invented electric dishwashers and Kevlar and Scotchgard and Whiteout, you name it. We've done so many things to win Nobel Prizes, but the prize has gone to the man. So when women are invisible in history books, it's hard for this generation to see themselves as... Being planetary leaders but I really wish that for my sisters because when we step up we're going to solve poverty as a concept the whole idea of scarcity is just an idea it's a spiritual crisis it's a misunderstanding of the nature of existence and when women step up into their true power we can bring that natural abundance that is our birthright give it to our children our partners and we elevate one another that's what my idea
0: I love that. That's what your idea of virus is. And this
1: is that, very much what it is. alignment.
0: Uh, when, it was Winston Churchill, of all people, who said yeah. the true mark of any civilization is the condition of the women. Now, what if we have somebody wow. right now who is wow. listening who says, yeah, sure, I want to change the planet. I want to have my rightful place. But you know what I'm mm-hmm. concerned about right now is paying mm-hmm. my freaking bills just managing to put food on the table, what would you say is the very first thing that person should be focusing
1: on? Awesome. Uh, I would say the great news about being almost broke is that being coming financially free is so much easier. It's actually harder if you've got a big job and heaps of money so you can pay the bills, but that's really a hard treadmill to get off. So the great news is if you don't earn much, you know how to live on not earning much. So then all you need to focus your energy on is asking the universe, how can I make more? Because there's always a way to make a lot more. And the, the simplest way to do it is to solve problems for other people. We all have problems in our life. Mine was a lack of financial abundance, so now I help people achieve abundance financially. That solved my problem. I solve other people's problems, and I get paid handsomely to do that. So whatever problems are in your life today, solve that for yourself and then teach someone else. Give someone else the gift of solving that problem. The money will flow. I really believe if we teach ourselves to earn more money, then when the money comes in, no matter how small or big it is, we set aside 10 to 20 percent of every dollar, we invest that in something we understand, control, and can keep an eye on, then we will be financially free. It is just a matter of add time. And time is going to pass anyway. So you can choose to do that and be free, um, or choose not to do that and still be not able to pay the bills in seven years' time.
0: All right. so we have a question here that says, I have a job I don't like, but I need to make money. Is there a job I can start at home and begin working for myself? Uh, That's from Tina in San Francisco, and she adds suggestions for homegrown businesses. So Mm -hmm. a bit in alignment with what you're saying about solving problems, but what would you say to Tina?
1: Well, I would say I don't know too many people who do like their jobs and this comes back to this prostitution archetype being that um, we do stuff for money and really we need to stop doing that. So short term, yes, you need to keep doing that until you find a replacement, but yes, the replacement needs to be found. Now I would love actually to speak to, I missed um, the lovely lady's name unfortunately Tina. but I would love, love to find out what makes her tick because if I could sit with her and say well, well tell me about you what are the problems you've had most recently in your life that you've solved and I would really come back to what are the things that have caused her pain because what I have found is the things that cause us pain leave clues because we solve the thing that causes us pain and in solving that we find a bit of gold which is I am now more resilient I am now more creative I solved something and there's tens of thousands if not millions of people going through that exact same challenge who are going to have to go on the path you've just gone on so if you could find a way to give the gift of a solution to someone else in an area that you're now pretty much an expert in There's money to be made. Now, I work from home. I do multi-million dollar property deals. I do them from my home. I could have an office out of the home, but I like working from home because when my son walks in the door at 3 p.m., I down tools and I go into what's called mummy mode or mommy mode and um, I don't pick up the phone, I don't answer emails, I I become a mum at that point of the day. So working from home works for me and it doesn't matter how big my business gets, I'm staying at home. So I do believe you can find your passion, you can find your way of being of service, and you can make a lot of money doing it. When I wrote my book, the premise of it was is that I am very, very ordinary. I worked jolly hard to find a way out of the work-a-day world. And that's because I, I wanted to be free. I knew that. But I did the business degree. The business degree didn't teach me a damn thing about self-reliance. It taught me how to work in a corporation. But it taught me nothing along the lines of what I wanted to learn, which was how do I get financially free, just like you, Dr. Brenda, with your education. But I did a business degree, and I still didn't learn that stuff. That's my tonic. So <laughs> was put, put down all the how to's that I went through because it, you know I read all these great books on why you should be financially free and that's important, you must have the why. But then you need to have the how to of course. And what I found was it's very hard to work out the how-to unless you have a mentor in your immediate circle who's prepared to show you the ropes. So my book is that. It is that, well, how can I do it? I now know I want to be free of my job. I've made that decision. But how do I get started? And so my book is showing all the things I went through, all the uh, mistakes I made, all the frogs that I kissed to find my um, vehicle of choice because we're all unique and what works for me will be slightly different, but the methodology of getting to it will be uncannily similar. So pretty much um, it's finding, putting on a coat and looking in the mirror and saying, hey, is this one for me? It's the same process, but until you understand the thinking of what you're looking for and what questions to ask, it's not going to turn up for you. So 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 I would say,
0: Tina, the important thing is stay with her current job until she figures out what problem she is uniquely able to solve. Now, once she figures it out, right. what mm-hmm. is the next step? Because now, let's say Tina has figured out something fabulous, something as good as whiteout, and she's mm-hmm. ready to take it to the world. <laughs> what would she do next? And I'm assuming, mm-hmm. based on Tina's question here, which says, I need the money, she's probably yeah. got some debt. hmm
1: Yeah, well, see everybody everybody needs the money, but the secret about going into business for yourself, which can be done part-time from home while you stick with the day job, is the key skill in business is raising money from other people. So you're not limited. The great thing with this journey I'm talking about, you're not limited by your current financial resources, or even your current skill set resources because it's about identifying an opportunity where you can add value and then working out how much money do I need to bring that to market and what team around me do I need to bring that to market and when you get laser clear on that, it's amazing how the money will come. Money is very attracted to money-making ideas. There are plenty of wealthy people who have plenty of money looking for a home, and they're just looking to back passionate people who they can see are adding value. So if you'll develop the skill of explaining your vision to people who have money, the money will come. And similarly with the team, people are attracted to working for visionary people who have a passion, a mission, a, a desire to serve. And the team will turn up to do a lot of the parts of the job you don't know how to do currently. So it's about finding the money from other people and finding the skills from other people. We all have the ability to do this. I am remotely, not remotely unique in this area, but these are the foundational skills you need to teach yourself. And you teach yourself by asking, how can I? how can I find the money to start my vision? How can I find a team to implement my vision? You know, there's a tool
0: that I teach people called empowered questions. And the question mm-hmm. is, why is it so easy for me to find the money I need? Why is it so easy for me to find the right person? Why is it so easy for me to get out of debt, stay out of debt and live Prosperously, it's the title of a book I love. So one of the things that's important is I hear you say over and over, just get started now. I want to throw a little teeny bit of research there. There's research that says, another question just came in. Uh, We'll get to that in just a second. Um, The research says that women usually top out in their businesses and don't go past the quarter-million-dollar mark, no matter how hard they work, is they won't ask for two things. Number one, they won't ask for mentorship and help, and number two, they won't ask for money.
1: Gosh. Oh, so depressing, isn't it? Goodness me, if you won't ask for those two things, you can't get past that level of, of success because asking for money and being willing to receive money and being responsible growing that money is the number one skill you need to be financially free so if if women refuse to do that we can't get out of this poverty trap but the the thing I know for a fact is the research also shows that when women do take other people's money we are really good with it we deliver twice the returns that men deliver when we're professional hedge fund managers and average mums and dads at home Female, The female in the family, when she invests, she does better than the average male because we're more patient and we don't suffer from overconfidence. So that lack of confidence, in a way, that we have, stops us taking the money. But if we just could get past that and take the money, we, I know the research says we're really good with that money. So well, we will the question over- that just people- came in
0: is right yes. along these lines. Let me toss it right in. It says, I have an idea for a business but I need an investor to get started. Where do I find an investor? That's from Anonymous, there's no name on this one.
1: Anonymous, great question. They are everywhere. You, You know, you, you can go to networking events that, where it's clear that there are wealthy people, but pretty much, you know, so when I was raising money to do property development, I would go to investors' meetings, so investor club meetings, and you'd meet plenty of ordinary people who didn't have much money, but you'd meet in, in an evening, you'd meet one or two people who were fabulously wealthy, and they were building their portfolio, but they had surplus money that, that, that they just didn't have enough hours in the day to work out how to invest. So wealthy people are everywhere and if you just start taking the attitude of I'm here to serve and I just want that cash to serve and I'm going to return a profit on that cash then you become such a magnet for people who have money and who are looking looking for that that in a way they almost find you like Dr. Brenda you said with your questions how come it's so easy it almost becomes comical as to how easy it can become but you have to absolutely believe if you ask the question and you put it out there that it can work for you you can't sabotage yourself no one will really ever want to invest in my crummy idea and who am I I'm not worth I'm not worthy of and I might lose it I might make a mistake yes you may and that's part of this journey as well being willing to fail just like with love if you've had a breakup you wouldn't say well I'm never going to open my heart and try and love again because I had one breakup You would simply say, well, I'll take some lessons from that, be a bit smarter, but I have to re-emerge and play the game with an open heart if I'm ever to succeed a second time. Money is the same. You learn, but you move on wiser, smarter, and you start again. There's no shame in failure. Unfortunately, our culture says there is, but our culture is wrong. Failure is the way you succeed.
0: Mm, Because we learn, my mentor... Dr. Virginia Satir used to say, if you can't make a mistake, you can't make anything. So everyone, 100% take, true. take this little note. It's called the World Wide Web, triple dub. Put in triple dub investors and just start looking at what pops up. There are investment clubs, as you just heard a moment ago from our lovely guest. And just to remind you, we're talking to Margie Balduck, who wrote the book, The Mother Lode Manifesto, How to Conceive a Fortune and Give Birth to Your Wildest Dreams. I love that title. I love that. <laughs> the Mother Lode Manifesto. Yeah. And we can just look and at that Mother a load as a big vein of gold, can't we, Margie?
1: Yes. And that's it. We all have our own unique vein of gold. And the whole premise of the book is how do you find that vein of gold that we all Are born on planet earth with and and I know for women some of the problem of receiving this wealth is this feeling of well I'm here to give we've been taught we are the givers and we absolutely are so my message is to say if you know you can give good stuff wouldn't the wealth help you magnify that so if if the idea of being rich bothers you what if instead we said what if you could positively impact the lives of a thousand people that'd be an awesome thing to do right now if you do that you will be a millionaire Now, if you positively impact the lives of a million people, you can be a billionaire. And if you'll positively impact the lives of uh, everybody on the planet, you can be a trillionaire. So this isn't about money. This is about being a, a thought leader and a visionary in your life and the lives of the people you love and improving the place for those people. And when you do that, the wealth comes the benefit of that wealth is it just magnifies your impact, the contribution you can make. It's not about fancy toys and materialism at all. It's about making this planet better for all inhabitants.
0: So one of the things I know you talk about in your book is that women have a fear of being a bag lady. What are Mm -hmm. the top three money fears that women have? Because they seem to follow along a certain pattern.
1: Yeah, well absolutely, uh, 50% of women, even women who earn big bucks, you know, $200,000 plus, say that they are scared they'll end up homeless at some time in their life. I mean, and this is a really, this is actually a completely unique fear to women. Men just simply don't report that fear at all. Um, so, you know, there's a profound insecurity that comes with being born female in our culture. Uh, The other big fear and we've mentioned it before is this feeling of if I am capable financially I won't be lovable and women report that uh, one third of women say that even their female friends would alienate them if they were financially capable which is just a tragedy. Uh, and then I haven't got research on this one, but I know that women just don't see themselves as having the aptitude for being uh, in business or in investing because they, they've been told it's not their role and so they've not developed that muscle. But like I said, the research shows that when women do get involved, that we seriously deliver better returns as average investors, professional investors, double the returns over the males, and when there are a lot of women in Fortune 5 or in the big companies, those companies deliver 35% higher return to shareholders. So far from wow, being Wow, that's an astonishing statistic isn't it? So we oh are- Oh my god, wait, only, I'm
0: writing that one down. That is yes. really- good.
1: 35% higher return on equity when women are at the helm of these companies. We are great in business. We are great at managing, managing money. The only thing that is holding us back is our own belief that we are, we are belonging in that part of- in that domain of the world.
0: That is just an astonishing statistic. So there's definitive proof everybody. Whether you're male or female, it doesn't matter. If you're a man, it's your job to take this information and empower the women in your life, and say, "Hey, did you know if you were at the helm of the corporation, we'd be making thirty-five percent more money? Let's get to there, <laughs> <Yes>.
1: <laughs> because then oh, I get a bigger
0: good. bonus if you're bringing in and, more money. So everybody wins when women are at the top.
1: Now, and so you also, to bring also that's the key. Yeah. Sorry,
0: no, no, I was just really curious about your comment. You had another comment about women hard on the heels of knowing that women belong in these big jobs, you're saying maybe it's also time for women to lean out and run from corporate jobs. So it could go either way here.
1: Well, I'm a little bit controversial because there's been this huge lean-in movement started by Sheryl Sandberg of right. Facebook saying, and what she said, you know, women give up on the corporate world because of thinking about having children. And, and she's saying, lean in and do the juggle. You know, man, you know, you can find a way. And that has worked for her and, and that makes sense for her. But she also says in all of her book that uh, women who are successful in the corporate world are not liked. Um, so they're disliked, and that typically women have to work twice as hard to get half the result, and, you know, they're not paid what they're worth, we all know that, and so I then say, well, why on earth would any woman want to be in an, in an environment where, as she's successful, she will be disliked and she'll be under-rewarded for that hard work and the sacrifice of being away from her children? To me, that just sounds like a, a triple whammy of awful, so I do say lean out from the corporate world, but lean in to your corporate world, being your own empire. So the empire of Dr. Brenda, the empire of Margie Baldock, and what that means is, is building a life around the life you want to live. Because the corporate world says there's one way to live. It's you know 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. seven you know seven days a week. If you're really successful, you get to work more. Now, if you've got kids um, and you want to be an active mother like I want to be, then that corporate world is just incongruent with that. And good old Cheryl Sandberg, she's an owner of Facebook. She's not really an employee. Now when you're the owner, it's different because you can formulate the business around you. But most of us in the corporate world can't do that. But when you're the corporate world, when it's your business, you get to decide that at 3 p.m. you turn into a mother. You get to decide um, where your boundaries are and your, your team have to fall into your values and your vision for your business. Now you can't do it overnight. If you have a job, obviously you don't just quit and then go to nothing. But what you can do is use your job as a place to get skills, so that when you have your vision for where you're headed and you start to build that part time on the side, you're developing the skills, the networks, the contacts, the confidence to make the leap across when it's safe to do so. But right. It really so is you can important. either
0: lean in or lean out. But the key is, I'm hearing mm. over and over that you're suggesting to people that they get support. If you're in the corporation and you want to go up that ladder, then do it. Get support. And team building is yeah. part of it. If you want to do something different, then team building is part of it. So we've got a couple questions that came in. Margie, one is, what would be a good suggestion for a home biz for a woman with a limited education? And this
1: is from mm-hmm. Beth. Beth. Okay, um, again we're, we're sort of, it's a similar answer to the first answer that we had which is there is, no, there is no one size fits all because everybody's life experience is unique and you've been put on that path by the universe in order to have these unique set of experiences so you can add a unique value to the rest of us. So if there was one formula that would work, then it, this would be so super easy. We would just state the formula and away you go. What I've shown in my book is I went through probably 10 formulas. And what I found is this one worked for me a little bit, but not totally. This one worked better. I preferred that. And here's why. And then I found my dream gig, which was property development for me. And the reason it's a dream gig for me is it's got infinite uh, Time leverage and it 's got infinite financial leverage that works for me, whereas a business per se a standard business you 've got to spend a lot of hours building the team and managing the team and so on, whereas property development the way I do it i 've managed to really get it incredibly automated now. That's because that's my passion, and I happen to resonate with it, and a lot of people do, but a lot won't. So that works for me because of who I am and my journey. So what I would say is if you read my book and go through the stories, you'll get the idea that it's not about what you do. It's how you approach the process to find out what you should do because we are absolutely unique we're here to we're like the bumblebee pollinating the flower we're going to get food but we're actually pollinating the whole uh, flower base by virtue of us getting food so the pollination that you need to deliver to the universe is custom made so I can't tell you the precise what you should do without sitting and having a, a one-on-one brainstorm with you and finding out what makes you tick what do you love to do when, you're, when do you feel your joy when, when you do something for someone else and you feel joyful what's that but a good example might be recently Jessica Alba the movie star she became she 's a young mum and she noticed like many of us mums have noticed that but the products we use around our homes and for our children are, are laden with chemicals and they 're not life giving they 're made by massive corporations multinationals that and they use chemical industrial grade chemicals and they have a lot of harm in them and they do it because it 's cheap so that people buy it thinking it 's cheap and they 'll buy it and what she realized is people may not care as much about it being cheap as about it being good for their families. So she started a company called Honest Company where all the ingredients are natural, organic, they're life-giving instead of harmful. And in two years, that company is now a billion-dollar company. Now, she has an advantage. She's a movie star, so her brand is straight away built for her. But the premise, the idea being, I have a problem. That is, I'm a mum and I can't buy life-enriching products easily. And so she solved that problem that she had in her life and she's built a company around that. Now she's got this massive team, so she really isn't doing all that much, but she's making a huge impact in our society. She's solving her own problem. She's solving the problem that so many of us mothers have and she's making a fortune and making a change. Every single one of us, whether we're Jessica Alba or not, have the same capacity. The difference is, we may not make a billion-dollar company in two years, but we certainly might make a million-dollar company in two years, and that will transform your family. And I want to
0: say for those who are choosing the corporate structure, it is also important to apply a lot of Margie's strategies and what she's describing Because a lot of these things are the same. You're going to build the team. You're going to come up with a great idea. You're going to find a way to float that idea within your company. I know people who have built great ideas for their company and cashed out, sold the idea to the company and and took off. So there are lots of ways to do this. The key is to operate that first law of manifestation. The first law is anything is possible and to believe that anything is possible. The second law is called the law of limitation. It means you have to focus. Focus on something. And then that third law, after we believe anything is possible, we focus on one thing, we choose something, then Margie's been talking about it the entire interview, and that is persistent determination. And part of persistent determination is having support. So Margie, speaking of moms, There are several things that I know we moms without meaning to pass on to our children, and there are big money mistakes that moms are passing on without knowing it. So everybody write these down, whether you're a mom or not. You know moms, you know children, and make sure that teachers and moms and children who are part of your life learn what these three big mistakes are and correct them. What have you got, Margie?
1: Well, the first one I would say would be the money belief. How many times do you hear parents saying to kids when they're out at the shops, we can't afford that, put it back. You, know, you, you, you just hear it all the time that I can't afford it. The truth is we can afford it, but we choose not to afford it. So we need to watch our language with our kids and instead say we're choosing not to buy that so that we instead can invest our money and mummy doesn't have to work as hard um, as a result. So change the story around why we do what we do with our money so our beliefs are more empowering and our children can be enrolled in our vision as to our choices rather than coming from a place of scarcity the second thing is values we need to also enroll our children in the idea of being a financially free family if that's what you choose to be because financial freedom, in my experience, is actually desire, a decision, and then putting in place an action plan. It doesn't happen instantly, but it will absolutely happen in five to seven years if you make a conscious choice about it today. So you need to enroll your children in that value. Explain why it's important. In my family situation, my, my son, we've just discovered he's eight. When he was born, he had a traumatic birth, and it's damaged his brain. So we have to rebuild his brain from scratch, and that means a lot of money and a lot of time and a lot of patience and a lot of TLC and if we weren't financially free, we would not be able to give him the gift of healing. It just would, we would not have the resources to do what we need to do. So that's my why, why I do what I do, plus that and desire to serve my fellow human beings. Um, So we need to find that why. So your family needs to have a why you're working together on a vision for your family. Um, And then that will feed into the money habits, because once your why is powerful enough and it enrolls you all and you all get it, Um, and you're not fighting and arguing about it, then when you say to your kids, uh, we're we're going to, every dollar that comes into this house, we're gonna invest 10 to 20% of it first, and then we can spend 100% of what's left. You never need to save another day in your life. All you need to do is have that one good habit, because that one good habit Is the one thing that millionaires do that ordinary people don't and the truth is millionaires don't necessarily earn big bucks they earn the same as everybody else but they have that one habit of setting aside 20% of every dollar they do earn into quality investments that they control and understand so if you will just make that one change and do nothing else then in seven years you can be financially free if you choose it but to achieve that you will need to enroll your entire family and that big why formulates whether or not the habit will get acted upon.
0: Oh, that's really really valuable and that's something that children can start if they have an allowance even, even if it's just a dollar a week, 20 cents of that will go into an account that will accrue value and they can start buying stocks
1: right away. It's so And important. what you're teaching then is the power of compounding, Dr. Brenda. That is the most powerful principle in wealth creation and investing is time. Time will make you rich. As long as you get out of the way and add time to a bit of money, you will be rich. Children have a lot of time. So if you do what you just said, if they get a $5 allowance a week, say set aside that 20% habitually into an account that will get invested, your children then over time will see the magic of compounding and you won't have to explain it, they'll go, I get it. I get it you know it's different to experience it than to be told and if you will do that one thing for your children that is such a gift that at age 18 will have set them up on an amazing habit for the rest of their lives
0: oh that is so powerful and for anybody who is at this moment saying I need a financial plan I need something that really will as you just said in five to seven years without stress and struggle and strain Bring me financial freedom. Now, this may sound strange, but back up, Margie, and describe and define financial freedom. What does that really mean?
1: Uh, That's such a powerful question. For me, it means enough cash coming in every year, whether or not I do another thing, If I get out of bed or not get out of bed, it makes no difference. That money is going to come in. Every bill I have in my life will be covered and I don't need to think about money. Money has become an irrelevant concept in my life that for me is financial freedom that for me is a number I know that exact number and once that cash flow is covered that that's my definition of freedom now everybody has a different number because of the lifestyle we lead that's why I said earlier if you are a low income earner the one blessing you have your financial freedom number is quite low so once you've got that financial freedom you can build upon that so that the quality of your lifestyle will grow now by our government's definition when they give you a pension and so on they say the poverty line um which is you know the area you're supposed to be able to live off um, I think in my country it's something like uh, twenty thousand dollars so it'd be similar in your country now I couldn't live on twenty thousand dollars i really I would struggle greatly to live on that so I think if you aim for what our government says is an okay um, financial plan, uh, your quality of life in retirement in 40 years time will be absolutely poverty stricken. So you know, our government would say, well if you can cover that yourself, you're financially free. I wouldn't agree with that. I would say financial freedom is that level where the lifestyle you currently live today or that you desire to live, if you desire a better lifestyle than you have today, is completely covered from, your pa- from a passive stream of income that doesn't need you to do a thing to so make come into that. So the key here
0: is passive income. Yes. There's some money coming in that you're not going out earning every day. And you're saying that you have a female-friendly financial plan that can set mm-hmm. anybody up financially to be free and have that passive income in five to seven years. Give us just a couple of tips from that before we have to sign off, Margie, because I know everyone wants, Financial freedom. Just everyone take a breath. Just take a breath before Margie gives the ideas. And just for a moment, imagine waking up in the morning and doing as Margie just said, I can wake up and it doesn't matter if I get out of bed right now or today or not. I have enough money coming in to cover the bill, to take care of my needs? Just breathe it in for a moment. How would that be for you? Mm, Think about it while she tells you how you might (laughs) get there. And by the way, if you want to join the conversation, we just have six minutes left. You have time to get one more question in. You can tweet it, Dr. Brenda Wade. Facebook us, Dr. Brenda Wade. Or do it old school. Call us and talk to us at 347 nine eight nine zero seven seven six all right everyone so glad to have you with us. margie you're going to give us that female
1: friendly financial plan let's hear it awesome well i will say before i give you them and i will um that i've got these free on my website like a, a workbook that people can actually download free uh and go through this for their own lives and implement it so and that my website everybody let me give you that
0: that is www.motherloadmanifesto.com. That's mother, you all know how to spell mother, load, L-O-D-E, manifesto, M-A-N-I-F-E-S-T-O, www.motherloadmanifesto.com. You'll get your free workbook with these tips on the financial plan, female-friendly yeah. financial plan. Okay,
1: what are a couple yeah, of the tips before we sign off, Margie? Awesome. So that's the resources tabs I'll need to go to. So the main thing coming back to what I said earlier is millionaires do not necessarily make a lot of money. They make ordinary money, but what they do that other people don't do is set aside 20% of every dollar they earn and invest it in something they control and understand then they spend what's left they don't worry about the budgeting saving paradigm at all the second thing they do they recognize that their number one expense is taxation as a result of that most millionaires have decided to go into business for themselves so that they can legally minimize that expense most people who are on good jobs work until when, Monday, till Wednesday morning for the tax man. If you go into business for yourself, you can get rid of that massive, massive expense. The third thing that they do, they, the only debt that they consider acceptable debt in their lives is debt that produces wealth. So it's either debt to hold an asset or debt that derives a source of income. They do not, do not have consumer debt. They don't have debt for clothes, cars, credit cards, none of that stuff. That's paid with from cash from your surplus income. The fourth thing they do, they develop a multiple stream of income mentality. They believe a job which has one customer, one source of income is very risky. You are not in control. So they instead turn that on its head and say, I need to have multiple sources of income, whether that be a couple of businesses or one business with lots of customers or whether that be your job, but lots of investments. It doesn't matter, but you must have multiple streams of income. That is a big part of my book talking about how can you develop that and what does that mean? It is the key. And the final thing is the use of structures. As you build wealth, it's very important to firewall your assets from risks, including divorce, Uh, tax man, frivolous litigation, you name it. Structuring your assets is really, really important. So they're the five big ones. If you'll pay attention to each of those five in earnest, you absolutely will be financially free in as little as three to seven years, depending on which strategies resonate with you.
0: Wow. Okay, everyone, you're going to want to know more about all of that from our wonderful guest tonight, Margie Baldock, who is absolutely passionately committed to all of us having financial freedom, especially women, especially moms and children growing up, knowing what it means to create financial freedom and having great values. And that's why I said at the top of our program, she has the idea absolutely in place, love, money, and seva. All three of those are essential to a fulfilling life. So Margie Baldock, thank you, everybody. The book is The Mother Lode Manifesto, How to Conceive a Fortune and Give Birth to Your Wildest Dreams. Hit her back at her website, tripledub.motherloadmanifesto.com. And Margie, thank you so much for bringing your fabulous energy
1: all the way from the Gold Coast of Australia. I can feel you, my dear. Oh, I'm so grateful to have spent this time with you. It's been an absolute joy and a blessing. Thank you. A million times thank you. Oh, thank you. All right, everyone. Stay tuned for more and
0: mark your calendar September 27th and 28th. We have a two-day live intensive right here in our Good Love Academy. It'll be the last two-day intensive. Mm